Hey there, welcome to Your Basket is Empty. I'm Tim and I'm your host. This is a special episode to celebrate International Women's Day and joining me are two We Make Websites powerhouses and former guests of the show, Faye Ockenfall, We Make Websites Growth Manager and Hannah Samano, We Make Websites Interim Head of Projects. So we're going to touch on their experiences in a pretty male-dominated space, learn a little bit more about how each of them have handled certain situations and find out who their sheroes are. Before we get into it, how are the leading DDC brands growing their business? Well, they're using Clavio, the growth marketing platform chosen by over 25,000 global innovative online brands. Clavio believes in supporting growth, which is why they won't tie you into lengthy contracts, hidden setup or support fees, or feature-based pricing. With a platform that is both powerful and easy to use, it's no wonder so many brands have switched to Clavio. Looking for one more compelling reason? Brands switching to Clavio see an average of 62 times return on their investment. Don't take my word for it. Go and check them out. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Hannah, Faye, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> honored it's a second time. i know right yeah, thanks for having us back yeah not a problem um usually we start off with a a recap on the person's journey but people can go back and listen to your episodes nice plug and leave a review yeah <laughs> uh which review. would be great uh so this this is a very special episode so international women's day episode um so that's what we're going to concentrate uh on today and we're going to try and wrap it around kind of I suppose technology e-commerce sort of world that we we work in but that's going to be the, the kind of um the the structure of the conversation it's going to be about international women's day so i'm going to start with um kind of a question to you both because you've come from different sort of um avenues so when you started working in e-com slash tech uh, which is very male dominated did you have any reservations uh, and if so were they realized it's a really interesting question because it makes me reflect. And I think that my main reservation at the start of my career was just that I knew I would be the only woman for a really long time. And my first three jobs, I don't think I worked with a single other woman in my teams. And it wasn't until I started speaking to other friends about this or had a f my first female manager that I really realized quite how much that was the case. I just didn't know anything different. I just knew that I was always the only woman in the room. Um, so I think that that's a challenge. I would actually say that I think it's a lot better now, probably than it was um, about eight or nine years ago. But I think that is a constant challenge is representation and, and finding workplaces where there is equal representation of women and men, not just in more junior positions, but also in leadership and management. Yeah. I think that's a key thing, and we're going to come on to that in a bit in terms of the representation across the board. Faye, have you had any um, revelations as you've entered the workplace in terms of um, uh, things that you've seen or maybe preconceptions that you had that have either been um, totally uh, quashed or have actually come about? Like, have you seen anything? Yeah, I suppose because having come from a law background and doing law at uni, that is a very, very male-oriented um, industry. And m more so than tech, especially, like, if you go for an interview at a law firm, like, you only speak to men, like, so 
Um, for me, it was a nice change that there was a lot more women. There definitely needs to be more. And very similarly to Hannah, I have never had a very strong female boss. Um, I've had very strong male bosses and I've had female bosses that maybe uh, as a result of also probably not having a strong female um, leader role in their life probably weren't passing that down so I'm very conscious of that myself is I've felt like through some of those I've had to be my own like leader and figure stuff out as a as a woman and um, having said that I've really learned from you know men and how they manage and take on some of those things but I think you do have to manage women in a completely different way than you manage men um they often need more um uh like praise than men do and a bit more encouragement to be a bit more open and honest and um quite um hard on themselves so that you they there's a lot of self-doubt there so I think that um if you don't have a a strong female or a male who understands how to manage women you have to do a lot of that yourself and overcome those things yourself um but for me I feel like that's made me um better as a I suppose a a leader in the role that I'm in now is that I know what I had to think about so I try and proactively speak to my team about you know having a voice and you know it's okay to feel like that and I think yeah that we we as women leaders need to make sure that we're doing that for the future leaders of women as well I don't want to make this podcast all about we make websites (laughs) but we do have a very interesting statistic and something I think we should be really really proud of and that is that we are 45 percent female um but on top of that, and, and touching on kind of what you said before, Hannah, we're quite well represented across the agency, which I think is fantastic. So I'd be keen to understand from your perspectives, like how you think we've got here. And then looking back at that first question, like, do you think it matters when people join the organization going to some of the experiences you had where you've got good representation across the company? Um, yeah, I suppose when I interviewed here, the people in the room were often women. And I think that says a lot about a business. Um, I've been to a lot of interviews where it is just, you know, you're being um, interviewed by um, a man. Um, but I, I I think what attracts women to this, uh, to WeMet websites is the fact that it's, it's just seems like a very approachable and open like culture um and that's where women really thrive so I think that's how we've um attracted women and how we've retained them um we have got more women in more sort of generally women face like roles like marketing and account strategy and that sort of thing we definitely do need more female developers um I think like we're all aware of that 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 is just across the board and it is you know less a lot less women trained to become developers so that the pool is a lot smaller um but I think yeah I don't know what the sort of magic source is I think it is just down to the culture really and we keep it fair and we hire people for their talent and the personality and that's it and that comes from leadership and Alex and Piers so yeah and do you think as a someone that's joined recently maybe uh to cast back to when you were thinking about coming on board or to maybe a new joiner 
do you think it's important to have that representation and what sort of I suppose um, reflection does that give on the individual yeah totally I think that it's so important to have strong numbers of women or essentially any um I mean, it's hilarious to use this word minority. Women are obviously not a minority, but they've actually been classified as a minority for, for so long when we're 50% of the population. But when you're wanting to be an equal employer, you just need to put people in positions of responsibility and power um, so that there is that representation and identification, which I think is just key. People won't want to join a workplace or work for people that they cannot identify with and, and people work for people who they feel don't understand perhaps the particular struggles they will have been through as a quote unquote minority. And I think, you know, that was exciting for me to come in. I, I felt um, lucky to have the opportunity to come in as a female leader, to be on the, the leadership team where you know, women actually still are in the minority, yet we make websites, to be quite frank. Mm. And I felt, okay, well, here's a, a team of amazing account strategists, younger, mainly women in their career. I felt it was a great opportunity to come in as a female leader. And, you know, I know that the, the individuals in my team right now, they're definitely, um, you know, they're getting a lot from having a female boss or a, a woman who, again, can perhaps... You sympathize a little more with some of their struggles when you know we're going out to clients sometimes maybe more male dominated clients being in rooms where maybe they're the only woman and I think having someone who can coach you through what to do in that position is really helpful and I do think having a male boss is also incredibly important and it's not that that can't be helpful but just when you're going to be the only woman in a room a lot it does help to have someone tell you how they've been there in the past. So I felt a responsibility to come in with my experience and try and help the younger ladies here in the team um, navigate that for themselves. And do you think, um, I suppose, going further than the culture and then having the representation, what else can agencies, uh, businesses within the econ world, tech space, can they be doing more and making the workplace better for women? I think that we've got Laura, the head of projects, who's about to come back, right? And she will have been the first lady to have had a child while she's been at We Make Websites. So I think that really it's thinking holistically, not just how, how can we be an equal employer to maybe young people in their 20s who don't have children, but how can we extend that to welcoming women back after they've been on maternity leave for six to 12 months how can we adapt ourselves to that so that we're still able to have women as leaders, but give them perhaps more flexible working schedules that allow them to meet their duties in a way that isn't quite as linear as perhaps it might be otherwise. So I think it's just being open to that and, and being able to have the conversation. Um, I think it's, it's always about that. How do you feel you as any employee, but speaking personally, how do I feel as a woman? I can speak to a manager, my own manager, about what I'm gonna need in my role. And I think that We Make Websites does a great job at that. We do have a really open culture, like Faye said. And I think that means that on the whole, people feel comfortable to express what they're gonna need uh, on a personal level to get their job done. But I, I just think it's, it's that flexibility to supporting women as they evolve throughout their careers and understanding that how and what people will, how people will want, will want to work and what they'll need from an organization aged 24 will probably differ to what they're gonna need when they're 34 and you know onwards and just being flexible to that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's interesting, right? Like having it as 
keep it is having it as part of the conversation yeah. and, and going back to the conversation, right? Because yeah. things change. If your workforce is younger, um, they're going to have a certain set of um, priorities. And then as they get older, <laughs> they might change. Yeah. Yeah. So being flexible, I think, yeah, no, that's that's really part of it. I've noticed that with a lot of my friends now at the age where they're starting to want to have kids or are having kids. And I never really thought about it before. But as a woman, you have to make a really conscious decision where it's like, I'm going to put my career on hold, basically. Like, this is, you know, you work all this, you know, since you were at school it all goes towards the fact that you're, you know, you're going to have this career. And a lot of them are now like, okay, so I'm now, you know, will I get a promotion and what, who will get promoted above me and what will happen to my team? And, you know, it's, you're making this huge life decision, not just to have a baby, but then also all of these things that you've been working towards all your life go on hold until you come back. And it's, I think the workplace has to make that an easy thing for you to do because it's not a it's not an easy thing for you to have to make that decision but anything that they can do to make it easier and as you say I think Laura's a great example of the fact that she can come back and do her job and she's very well respected in the company um but yeah it's it's, I gotta it's a big thing remind us is this isn't a plug for we make Web. <laughs> this isn't a recruitment drive it we happen to be is. very good, of course. Of course it is, yeah. I mean, if you are looking for a job, um, <laughs> it's com forward slash careers. Okay, so before we get in and kind of switch gears a little bit, I'm keen to sort of, from what you've talked about there, do you think there are any women specifically in the tech e-com space that, that, that are excelling and, and what do you think might be their special source? I think one... Well, I'd open by saying not enough. There's definitely not enough. The fact that I had to think quite hard about answering that question when you told me that might be mentioned beforehand, um, you know, is an alarm bell. But yeah, for me, one of the biggest role models in my career is Susan Wojcicki, who's the CEO of YouTube. And she's just amazing because she is so authentic. And she's really been in the tech space on the West Coast since Google was born. I think Google was born in her garage. But instead of bending herself towards, you know, being this masculine tech thing or putting on a bit of that male bravado to lead or even becoming a bit of a tech bro, which we've definitely seen in the last decade of, um, of tech kind of coming from that West Coast thing. She's just so herself and she's a mom. She's got loads of kids and she's been able to navigate that while sort of riding the big tech wave and you know I watch her in videos and she's just she's so she she listens to what people are saying and she you know not to be too cliche but she definitely has a feminine energy about her she doesn't um she doesn't kind of try and fit into that male masculine tech mold and I just so appreciate that and I think that it's that idea of authentic leadership and for me that's what is you know exciting about being a female leader is showing people that you can make a different type of workplace or you can be who you are at work you don't have to uh 
put on a professional um you know face that is ultimately you know patriarchal one and so I just everything about her to me is kind of anti-patriarchy which I just really value and so I've learned a lot about to be a manager and to lead big teams you don't need to lead with an iron fist you can do things your own way you can lead with empathy and listen and relate and I think those are just such important lessons to read to everyone in the working world but particularly to yeah to women Mm. it's so interesting that as you were talking I'm like very much reminded of a um Thatcher documentary I saw recently and the whole thing she altered her voice yeah she surgically altered her voice so she had a lower voice yeah yeah, so that people would treat her more like a man yeah yeah crazy and it's just that it's that's that's challenge how can you assert yourself without fitting into the mold of being more manlike or being more masculine or more patriarchal you know and i'm glad that we're even talking about these things it's talking about it that's important but you can be assertive without lowering your voice you can be assertive without shouting at people and commanding respect in a new type of way is what we have the privilege to be able to build now as female leaders that unfortunately women before us haven't been able to do because of the nature of the times perhaps Mm. So um, I want to switch gears slightly and kind of talk about some maybe instances where we've seen some challenges and, and you touched on, you know, some of the instances that, that a lot of the, the people in our workforce have where they might be underrepresented in a meeting and how that works. And uh, one thing I've noticed is um, I've been in meetings before with, with female colleagues and, and the majority of the audience is male. And all they do is look at me for reassurance, the conversation. And we internally have discussed ways in which we can sort of mitigate it. Have you had any instances like those? And what have you kind of done to try and, I suppose, get around them? Yeah, I mean, not just at work, like even... um, ask your husband if you know what about these windows and I'm like hey I make the decisions here <laughs> like <laughs> um you want to talk about windows come to me yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about he doesn't <laughs> um my toolbox is way bigger um so um yeah I think um it's a really difficult and, and it's extremely frustrating and I can see that with some of the women that we work with and you know they come out of a meeting and you know they're like all they did was speak to Tim and it's so frustrating and um it's such a hard one to in that room when you're there as well um and I think this is where our male colleagues can really help us out with that and um actually one of my old bosses was very good at doing this um and he'd be like oh don't ask me about that you know phase the expert and that um it just changes the the meeting right there and then and um the amount of times I suppose he would put him you know take himself out of it just so he would be pushing and he didn't just do that with women it was you know with with more junior members and and you do get that sometimes it's the same as if Piers and Alex are in the room people want to speak to the founder and um I think yeah we see that a lot and I think as a woman you just have to keep your calm you have to reiterate your point don't question yourself because someone else is and you know if sometimes you have to educate your male colleagues and say hey next time like maybe just say I know what I'm talking about too and like back me up on that point um I think 
that will just help you know we're kind of chipping away at these these men that do do that and eventually they'll be like oh actually yeah there was a woman in a in a meeting today and she actually you know she knew what she was talking about amazingly um and we just have to keep keep doing that yeah uh, just to add to that i mean not to sound too bleak but i would say the experience of being a woman is you just have to do your bit more you just have to mm. be a bit better come to the meeting knowing more things and i really do think that it, it just sucks but we can't undo you know ultimately centuries of patriarchy in in a year or with one day of recognition in, in the year for international women's day for people to take you really seriously they have to kind of believe that what you're saying or bringing to the room is actually as valuable if not more than your male counterparts so you know speaking from my experience i just felt like the weight was on my shoulders to just basically be be better than mm -hmm. all the male counterparts i had and that meant putting in more work and it it sucks but it does pay off mm -hmm. i think uh, yeah i think that is just the sad reality of the state of things of of what it means for there to be any kind of societal prejudice against a, a type of person is you just have to you have to show that you have a place in the room and that it's worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think um, certainly some of the strategies um, myself and say Jesse and Jules in, in our team have done is very much, I hadn't talked to them about that. That's a really interesting point. And that's probably something they would want to talk to you, to you two about, about the idea of coming to it better than everyone else. Cause I don't think I'm in the right position to talk about that, but the strategies around mm. how we interact with people and, leave room and space for everyone to contribute and ensure that it's not a one-on-one -on -one conversation within a room of people and it's a, a bunch of people talking and yeah it, it, it's funny because I do find that once we sort of have identified that this seems to be a problem it happens all the time right and we've tried to do stuff about it within the meeting you do see some direct results where people's attitudes on the other side of the table sometimes do change yeah but i think it's a really interesting one that like it doesn't seem to happen when the other side of the table has more of a balance yeah totally. yeah or if it's and and interestingly it, you know i think what which is great is, is a lot of the clients that we work with are you know very very female-led so we're not really having to worry about this stuff at all yeah um that brings me on to another point um i don't know if this is a silly question or whatever but I find myself using the word guys collectively, right? And um, whilst nobody's pulled me up on it, uh, I'm always looking for alternatives. What's the best one you've heard? <laughs> I've been discussing this recently with my friends and I also don't have a solution, but I feel folks is the best one, but it makes me feel like I should be wearing a cowboy hat and riding around the US on a, on a horse. It's very US centric. I really yeah, yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. want to say folks. Yeah. So I would love any tips as well. I, I, everyone 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 yeah what have you got i mean i i say guys as well and i i hear myself and i'm like don't do that and i it doesn't offend me to say guys but i think um i was talking to someone recently about this and it's it's just the nature that a lot of our language is male centric so if we fix that that's some part of the way to making it equal um even though i'm not you know and i think that's what the point that people miss they're like oh we're getting so silly when we start talking about this and da, 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 and it's you know not policemen and all of that but if we normalize male language being the norm then that just adds to the rhetoric that it's a male world so um even though i 
do it myself and try to stop doing it um but yeah i may be like i i say hey team, team to the I team a lot, a lot yeah, but yeah. what do you say to your you know i sometimes go to my girlfriends i'm like hey lads and they're like you know why and well that's interesting because uh, the, the term lads uh, uh, if you're in Ireland, is is a genderless concept. Is they it? They say lads for everyone, kind of like guys. So uh, that's even even more strange. Yeah. Um, I feel the team thing. I use folks every now and then. I think that's a bit mm. Ned Flanders, isn't it? Like, <laughs> hey, folks. <laughs> um, it doesn't really work with an English accent, I think. Yeah. I think you can get away with it with your Aussie twang. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. But right. I'm not sure it works really as a Brit. Hey, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely an Americanness to it. it. Mm. Um, so I suppose to, to, to put, sort of round out um, this bit, I'm, I'm keen to touch on, on, on two questions, and, and that is like, do you think it's important that men are part of this conversation? Um, and in your experience, what what have you seen? Um, what 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 what's been the most supportive thing a male colleague has done for women that you've seen? Um, I it's very important that men are part of the conversation. Um, I think us educating our close like family and pulling them up on things because it's a lot easier for you to do that. Um, I often will say to my other half, don't say that or don't do that and explain, you know, I I remember once he called me bossy and I was like, don't you dare call me bossy. Your man is never bossy. He's assertive. And he was like, wow. Okay. But he, you know, he totally got it. But like, he will have done that to someone that's a female at work and made them feel, you know, bossy and it's it's not fair so I think it's important that men are part of the conversation um what has a male colleague done um you're very good at it Tim like you will often say to me should I say that and you'll question like what you you know what you do or you're you're like have I worded that right or and you're very conscious of it I'm a mental case fastidious (laughs) person so you know I wouldn't read too much but I think that's good (laughs) like you're you're just aware of like you want to be I know that you're not a sexist person and but you're aware that there is that everyday sexism thing and you 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 want to you know not make that any worse for anyone and you've got a very female team so it is really important um but, but yeah. i wonder if that's so my family is very fem- so i own i've got two sisters and a mum. that's yeah. my family unit it yeah. has been forever and interestingly i went to an all boys school though Ooh. and i noticed i didn't really want to get onto this in the podcast but we've got quite a bit of time left so i thought it was an interesting topic i wonder if there's a correlation i certainly found it going to an all boys school and, and boys within the school who had more male-centric families i found had a harder time relating to women mm. compared to people like myself who had very female-centric families. And I wonder, there's got to be a correlation between yeah. that and then into the workforce. But that's uh, so interesting and it just ties into what we're talking about. Representation is that for as long as you don't have representation or role models, you don't know how to relate. And I think that it's just so important across the board, but that's why having more, um, you know, personally, I'm a strong proponent of of co-ed schools. I think that learning at a young age how to interact with different genders is very helpful, but um, within a remit of understanding that, you know, gender neutrality is actually really important. And it feels like that's where we're pushing to now, which is great. 
but yeah I think that your experience is fascinating and you know I went to two sides of the coin I went to a um, mixed school and I very felt very overwhelmed by all the boys when I was young <laughs> I felt like it was such a masculine space and it was so rowdy and boisterous and I hear the lovely stories of my friends who went to girls schools and they sat in book clubs and you know had a lovely time I mean I'm sure that that's a rose-tinted view but I, it's hard to know how to solve that you know for example I I grew up in a really female house too I have a sister and a mum so for how how could I have perhaps learned how to relate more to the struggle of a young man as well how can you do that when it's not in your family I don't know I think that's through school, though. Like that, they take boys out of the part of sex education when you're learning about periods, and it's like God forbid. Do they know, really? Yeah. What out of the lesson? Yeah. So the boys go and learn about the male side of I don't know penises. I suppose yeah. I don't know what they learn about, yeah. but you know, all the girls went off and they got a little pack, and it's so important that men know what that's all about and why it's so. You know, why should I, as a girlfriend or a wife, have to teach my other half, like, about what happens at that time of the month? That's crazy. So I think schools have a lot to do with that. Like, they should be educating, again, like, equality at school. And I actually went to an all-girls school, and it was not, like daisy chains and book clubs it was brutal <laughs> absolutely brutal like for every i suppose in a way it was very nice because uh, we didn't have the distraction of boys and girls do better in all girls schools boys do better in mixed um so but there were girls in my school that really made up for boisterous boys so um but i actually i i really loved it i really enjoyed going to an all-girls school like got really great group of friends and they're all you know very strong females so um yeah i, I don't know what what were we talking about oh women <laughs> <laughs> i was like we've got slightly off here but well no i, I mean like anyone's you know nature nurture right and like the kind of uh, the the nurture element and your experiences, particularly in those um, formative years, they do shape what 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 happens afterwards. And and I I do think that concept of schooling, where so much of your being is 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 formed, is is really important. Mm. And it's really interesting in this room. We've got three examples of three different yeah like um, avenues and. For the most part, we're all pretty well adjusted, so <laughs> it's hard to. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, we think we are. <laughs> that's a different podcast, yeah. Um, so, I suppose I want to start to round it out. But wh why do you think it's important to talk about International Women's Day? And do you think we're kind of doing enough? Is you know, like one day, <laughs> it should it be a a, a, a year long concept in sort of brought more into the vernacular all the time and it seems to go on waves right you know in, in the last little while it's there's there's been a big wave yeah i mean look i'm glad that it's a thing and that there's a hashtag once a year that trends in a massive way i do think that the more this can be top of mind every day of the year the better and i think for the simple reason that societies and workplaces 
are quite literally better off when there is better gender representation. It's proven actually that in terms of uh, venture capital investment, women make a better return on the VC funding they get than men do. So it's just everyone wins when there's better gender representation. And I think that it's just about that, normalizing that and having more men speaking about that and you know fighting our corners when we're not in that room. I think that's really, really key. Mm. And I, I do also think that um, it's not about men always speaking for us. It's about allowing us to speak. And you, you get that a lot. And you, you, you also get it in the race discussion. Um, it's not, we don't need people to speak for us. We need people to have our back and open the conversation so we have our own voice. Um, I think this really sad thing is you almost like again when you're in a bubble you're like oh I don't like we don't actually need it like this is great I'm in this you know I feel a lot of the time I am very equal and I think I'm I'm very spoiled with the people that I surround myself with um and all of that but actually when you look at it like we we do need a day um we need well we need more than a day um but it's really sad that we still have to talk about it so much um and that it hasn't you know I keep thinking well it's 2020 like what are we doing like what is going on here like and it's and yeah it's it's uh it has to be an ongoing conversation and um we I I what you don't want to do is read Twitter basically and look at all the men commenting on the hashtag and they're like what about international men's day and what about this and you know it's not me and I'm not that man and it's like we're not talking about you we're talking (laughs) about women like can we just can we have one day (laughs) um okay I'm gonna start to wind it down um do you think the world would be a better place if we had less Trumps, Johnsons and Macrons and more Merkels, Ardens and Ocasio-Cortezes? Or do you think the answer is women redesigning the system? I think the system's fine as it is. Don't you think Trump and... (laughs) (laughs) What a one to end it on. Good God. Totally. I think look at those systems of leadership that you see in those amazing women at the forefront right now. It is, you know, bravery. It's kind of empathetic leadership. It's lifting up voices that have not been heard, not just female voices, but also minority voices. It's it's really that empathetic vision of leadership that resonates and wants to support the other, which essentially means the non-white male. And I think that is due um, in terms of overhauling the system, I mean, that would imply a revolution and I'm not about to full-on support a revolution. Um, I, I do think that change is slow and I think that that's sad, but it's when we look back now on how things were 20 years ago, I think that, yeah, there's market change. And so we can just kind of look to that as encouraging and keep working along that path and hopefully now again with the representation thing that we keep banging on about but the more women there are like AOC and you know these these really inspiring even more millennial leaders that should just inspire the generations to come to think that they can do that you know when I was growing up 
I honestly don't remember looking at a woman in politics and thinking, oh, she's really cool. I want to be like her. All I knew about a female in politics when I was growing up was Thatcher and I did not want to be like her when I grew up. <laughs> so <laughs> I avoided the political realm. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to hear what you think. Yeah, I mean, I totally, I think it, sometimes it really feels like you take one step forward and two back and when like Barack Obama was elected you were like oh my god they've got a black president here we go this is it guys like this is gonna be brilliant and then what did they do like it's and I feel like that will happen we'll get a, a female prime minister here and she'll be slated she'll be in the press you know they can't just allow a woman to lead you know she poured her curves into this dress and all that daily mail um, Theresa May, everyone loved her shoes way too much. They loved her shoes. <laughs> way too, and her dancing. Yeah. I mean, it's they just can't allow a woman to, and I, I mean, this is part of a whole of the conversation with the press and the way that they treat women. Um, but it does feel like sometimes you're like, okay, and now we've just gone two steps backwards. Like, what are we doing? You know? Um, but w as you said, like, if you look at sort of, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, where we've come from that time, you know, it is, we've made a big difference. I think it just, it can get on, on top of a lot of people. Mm. And I think we feel that in London because we feel like we're this little, little, little non-Brexit like bubble that, that cares about the environment and cares about people's rights and all of that. And then you're like what's everyone else voting for? Like, why? And I think we, we keep saying this, like we need to not get consumed within our bubble and actually realize different things are happening outside of that. Um, yeah. yeah. What, one funny analysis that my friend made the other day that I think is quite perfect is when you look at Trump and Boris Johnson, you know, I feel like this is the final dance of, the white man realizing that power is shifting and knowing that's happening and wanting to do everything they can to claw, claw it back, whether that means closing the borders or, you know, hiring more men into kind of cabinet, whatever, and just leading with a more old school approach. I think that it feels bleak right now. And I think what it's doing is just building an anger in so many people that will hopefully quash this for for future generations to come and it, it's it's no coincidence for me that it's two white guys running you know these two really important global states it's just they're like w not wanting to relinquish the control that they always thought they had which was obviously an illusion no one has control but yeah i i hope that you know whether or not trump wins and the next presidential campaign will be really interesting. Um, but I believe that whether or not he does, the, the leader who will come after him and hopefully Boris Johnson will just create a new model for leadership and hopefully be a woman. Mm. Final question. Who's your Shiro? <laughs> I've never heard that word before. I know, nor me. A Shiro. I really thought about this, like really thought about it. I don't and think you've thought about all the questions, Faye, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> This one in particular, <laughs> right. And I always find it a really difficult thing where it's like, who's your like, you know, who do you aspire to be? And I've always been that kind of person that d has never really had like a, I take base, I take um, um, strength from a lot of women and it's day-to-day -day women. Like 
the woman like on the tube who's like you know got a suitcase got a baby like she's like you know feeding it snacks and keeping it quiet and you're just like she's nailing it like she's doing it and you know people that, that work here and you know they're just normal women like living every day and I that's who I look to because you can't look at Beyonce and be like what has she done in the in you know the amount of years I've been alive because I I can't get like trodden down by that sort of comparison it's like it negatively impacts me to look at women where they're doing things that are so unachievable even though I'm sure you know you work hard and all of that but I just want to look at someone who's just nailing everyday life because that's where most women struggle it's not you know they don't want to be the next big like superstar or like CEO they just want to like come to work do a good job go home buy some windows and not be questioned about it and go to bed like that's all they want so I that's me like I just like to look at the everyday woman and they're all my heroes there you go that's good Hannah I was gonna say Beyonce (laughs) (laughs) yes I'm serious I swear that when I'm feeling sad I watch Homecoming by Beyonce on Netflix and I think that she is just a superstar but she's also just a human she's Mm. just a woman and it really helps me to just remember that Beyonce is just a person like me. She was born, she has a body, and she probably does little cooler things than I do on my day to day, but she's just a normal person. And actually the things she speaks about in her songs, like her emotions, and it's about love, and it's about the mm. breakdown of relationships. And it's just, wow, she's she's honestly just like you and me um, with better clothes. So I <laughs> How really- How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll speak for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Better clothes than me. But yeah, I I honestly look a lot to Beyonce as just this absolute queen who is able to bounce back and, um, you know, have her head head held high consistently. And I mean, if anyone hasn't watched Homecoming by Beyonce on Netflix, it is just absolutely epic and shows how much of a leader she is in her family, with her partner, with her kids on stage it's amazing. Um, so I don't know how good she is at choosing windows, though. Mm. I like the opposing views. Yeah, um, my shero is my mother, oh. Judith. Oh. She's the most inspirational person I've ever met. So big shout out to her. Oh, okay. um, that was really good. Thank you both for joining me. There you have it. Big thank you to Faye and Hannah for joining me on this episode. Before I go, a quick shout out to my sponsor, uh, Clavio, the world's most recommended growth marketing platform. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clavio.com slash your basket is empty. That's K-L-A-V-I-O dot com slash your basket is empty. And finally, yeah, if you like the podcast, rate it, share it, download it, subscribe it. Tell your grandma it's the world's most entertaining e-commerce podcast. She's going to love it. I'll see you next time.